Welcome to another episode of Every Unplugged, a podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Donald Cutler, the sheltered-in-place voice of the podcast. Oh, how things have changed since the last we recorded an episode. As governments and healthcare workers around the globe attack the novel coronavirus and COVID-19, the world has slowed to a near standstill in support of our most powerful weapon to stop the spread of this pandemic, staying home. With just a few exceptions, such as the electric power sector, industries in nearly every country on earth have stopped, telling workers to hunker down and stay away. The long-term impacts of this aren't known yet, but we are starting to see some short-term trends. Late last month, EPRI published an analysis of the impacts of these shutdowns on electricity demand and use in a few regions hardest hit by the virus, Italy, Spain, New York, and California. These diverse electric power systems recorded reduction in peak demand and energy of 3 to 15% in the first two to three weekdays of each region's shelter-in-place order when compared with the previous week and the same week in 2019. I'm joined today by Aidan Tooley, Program Manager with EPRI's Grid Operations and Planning Team, and Adrian Kelly, Senior Technical Leader with EPRI Europe. Aidan calls from his home office in Chicago, Illinois, and Adrian is on the line from Dublin, Ireland. Thank you both for taking the time to join us, and I hope you're doing well and staying safe and healthy. Yeah, Excellent. Excellent. So, Aidan, let's, let's start with you. Can you give us a quick overview of the electric demand and use changes we've seen in these regions that the, the shutdowns have impacted uh, in the earliest parts of the COVID-19 response? Sure. Yeah, so, so once, um, once we started seeing, in particular, the European countries uh, a few weeks ago and, and more recently some of the um, North American regions, once we started seeing the, the shutdowns come into place, obviously everything on the news that we could see, um, we, we had a few key questions we were trying to understand um, in terms of the insights you could provide those that might be further behind, but also just understanding what some of the implications are um, on those individual power systems. So um, one of the big things we wanted to look at was what, what's this doing to demand? Um, you're shutting down a lot of the industry, the commercial activity in a region. Um, people are moving to home, stay, staying at home. Um, that, that's going to change the, the relative mix of residential load versus commercial industrial. Um, so we wanted to have a look at that. We, we, we compared Italy, uh, as you mentioned, um, first was, was the first country we looked at. Um, saw that when they shut down the north of Italy, it had a, a small impact, so it, it looks like you could still see it a, a few percent. Um, but then once they shut down the entire country, you could start seeing a really uh, more significant impact. Um, the types of measures mm -hmm. we were looking at was how, how does it impact the peak demand seen across the day? Uh, the, in any given day, how does it impact the, the overall energy usage um, across the day in the in the overall system, um, as well as maybe the minimum demand that you see on the system? Um, all of those can have implications for how you operate. Um, so we wanted to look at how, how that changes. Um, as I said, started with Italy, um, started seeing 10 to 15 percent once the country started shutting down. Um, then into the second week, it started getting even larger, uh, up to about 20 percent. And that, that was mm -hmm. for all of those metrics I mentioned, peak energy and, um, and minimum demand. So we started to see these uh, pretty significant impacts. Uh, obviously, as the shutdowns um, started to take place in other parts of the world, we also started looking at that, and in particular focused on places like Spain, where, where there's also significant uh, outbreaks there. Um, New York, ca California, which was the first state to have uh, regional shutdowns there in, in the U.S. Um, Indeed. Try and look at what the implications there are. 
Yeah, and and can we take anything from these data and apply it to different parts of the world as more and more regions enact shelter in place mandates or when 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 folks are starting to see uh, quarantine when they're sick? Yeah, I mean, certainly different regions have different uh, underlying behaviors. Um, the, the share of industrial demand, for example, in Italy is, is about 40% annual um, energy um, compared to maybe half of that in some of the other regions we looked at. So. Uh -huh. You can't directly translate from one region to the other. That they have different climates, um, different times of the year, with have different climates um, in different parts of the world, and so you do want to take some of those things into account. But it, what we can generally see is, well, what, what's the change as people do shelter in place? Um, we've noticed, for example, uh, in, in many regions, a, a lower morning peak um, as. Uh, people aren't having to get out to work, get their kids out to school, so the, the increase in load that you typically see in the morning hasn't been as significant in some of those regions. Um, Sixteen lower energy usage throughout the day. Um, th those types mm -hmm. of things will be expected to translate in, in, to a greater or lesser extent. Um, the specific numbers aren't going to be the exact same in different regions, but there are um, there are general trends that we'd have observed there across the system. We also have seen data from other regions, from places in South America, from, from Asia, even started looking at some data from China in the last while and, and seeing similar trends in, in all of those places that uh, as the system, uh, as the country shuts down, uh, they do see this reduction in demand um, across the, the region. Okay, excellent. So we've been talking about the significance of these significance of these reductions. Can you give us a little bit of perspective about their size in relationship to other um, load transitions the systems may see during the year, you know, going from spring to, to summer, for example? Yeah, that, that's a good point. There, there are already um, system operators plan um, for, for significant changes across the year, uh, peak demand in the summer that, that most of us will see or in some places in the winter, um, where spring will have an off peak or kind of shoulder period. So the types of numbers we're talking about here, that the 10 to 20% change, they're not too different and, and maybe even less than what you'll see in some systems uh, as you go from peak times of the year to off-peak times of the year. So, so systems certainly are built to be able to, to withstand those types of changes across the year. And even within a week, um, in those regions like Italy, where demand has gone down pretty significantly, basically what's happening is that the, the weekday loads are now starting to look like the weekends. Um, in some places, the weekends are getting a little lower, though in others that's not as clear a trend. Um, but we are starting to see where um, overall, it's starting to look, as you'd expect, more like a weekend as people are, are staying at home, similar to how they are over the weekend. Um, so the types of changes are, are well within the, the kind of normal bounds of what we would see. They're obviously unexpected. Um, there, there's uh, a reduction in overall energy usage, energy sales, those types of things. But um, that there are every week we go from a, a high load in the middle of the week to a, to a lower load at the weekend already. Um, we're now seeing that happen throughout the week. Okay, and so that essentially means, and, and you've been quoted saying this, that this reduction in, in load and demand won't have an impact on the reliability of the grid. Can you explain that just a little bit more, you know, for the longer term? Yeah, so um, thinking in particular there around the ability of the, the power grid to meet, uh, to balance supply and demand, um, one of the questions we've gotten um, from folks when, when it first started happening is, is, is there likely to be a reliability impact? Are we going to be able to meet demand? Um, these, as I said, these types of changes are, are well within the bounds of, of the typical changes you would see from weekend to weekday or, or across the year. And so from a reliability perspective, in that sense, the ability to meet demand, this, this does not seem to be something that, that would cause 
uh, significant challenges. I, I can talk later about some of the operational challenges you might have there and some of the challenges yeah. that, that Adrian will talk about around how to maintain safety at the control centre, those types of things. But from a purely ability to meet demand perspective, um, the type of load changes we're seeing shouldn't be um, a reliability issue. Well, that's a the perfect transition uh, to to what I I, want, I was hoping to talk about next, Adrian. You've been tracking how the uh, the world's grid operators have been safeguarding their critical workforce. What is working around the globe? What are you seeing? What what's what's taking place? Well, Donald, um, what we're seeing is. Um, most control centers in all regions, all countries, all continents in the world are taking a similar approach to worker mm -hmm. safety and control center practices. Um, I'll briefly outline some of them. So um, sanitary practices have been implemented within control centers in terms of alcohol, hand gel washing. Um, everything we see from, from governmental organizations is being uh, rigorously enforced here. Um, we're also mm -hmm. seeing social distancing. So um, operators in control centers are not congregating or staying uh, far apart. Um, in control centers, we're seeing standard issue equipment. So, so operators are being issued with their own headsets, keyboards, mice, stationery, all of that, and it's their responsibility to take that home and clean it. Um, there's mm -hmm. really rigorous uh, cleaning and sterilizing practices being put in place in the control centers. Um, so when, when the control center is empty uh, for different periods, it's being uh, totally sterilized and cleaned in a lot of places. Um, we're seeing uh, in terms of worker health then, um, some, some health monitoring, temperature checking um, as people enter the, the buildings of, uh, of electricity companies or into control centers um, before they enter, getting temperature checked or asked questions about uh, uh, symptoms. Um, and then for an actual con control center staff themselves, um, what we're seeing uh, a trend towards um, the, the, the crews are being split into A and B crews and they're being separated, one in the main control center, one in a backup control center, so that uh, they don't mix. And then that, that I guess, plans uh, plans pretty well that if there's an outbreak with, yeah. with one crew, then the other crew can, can step in and, and, and back up there. So um, that's, that's sort of the, the trends and practices we're seeing, uh, seeing at a high level right now. Excellent. And so, I mean, this is not, it was, no one was expecting um, the pandemic, but it's not that it was a major surprise. Um, there's always a threat of major illness or infection. We're were utilities ready for this? Were they rolling out these practices as soon as, as it took place and were just kind of taking them and taking a little look at them at a, at a, at a global level? Or are, are, are people prepared for this, really? Yes, I would say uh, for certain uh, the utility or electricity industry have been uh, very, very quick uh, adopters here and saw the potential and the risk factors uh, from the very earliest stages. We in EPRI had been hearing about it from a very early stage that, that our, our members have been preparing straight away. Uh, what I will say is mm -hmm. that most com most electricity companies, like most businesses, have have got these business continuity plans where, you know, uh, in the event of a, a major catastrophe, they uh, have plans in place, but also some of mm -hmm. the control centers had um, uh, pandemic response plans. So these were almost subsets of the business continuity plans that were catered right. specifically for a pandemic. Um, and these pandemic response plans typically have maybe four or five levels of, of uh, action, um, depending on the seriousness of the pandemic. And, and what we're seeing now across the industry, across the world, is the, those control centers are, are at the four or five level. They're either at the top level or the, the step below it in terms of what they will implement um, if the pandemic spreads or if they have an outbreak um, uh, amongst their staff or if there is like government or state mandates to, to, uh, to quarantine or shelter in place. That's 
So I would to summarise that the, they they were very quick uh, adopters, uh, very uh, cautious and conservative uh, approaches to this. Uh, no risks taken, and and the business continuity and pandemic response plans are are being enforced um, very uh, very rigidly right now. Great. So the work in the plan and make sure the plan works, uh, as we used to say in, in, in our safety briefings back in that yes. day. Um, uh, so from, from, from that worker's safety and operational safety perspective, what else do utilities, energy suppliers, and, and grid operators need to do to step up to the next level? What's the most impressive uh, new practice you've seen uh, in, in, in come out of this pandemic? Uh, in terms of worker safety, um, I, I, I would definitely uh, recommend, you know, to take all safety precautions, uh, no matter how drastic they appear um, at a particular point in time. Um, if they are uh, safety precaution recommended, then, um, you know, they should be taken. Um, I'd also... Um, uh, mentioned that we in EPRI are, are pulling together utilities on a regular basis on webcasts, on calls, and it's important that uh, people, electricity companies and utilities reach out to the wider industry to see what their um, their peers are, are doing here, to, that they can learn and share best practices from uh, from safety uh, from a safety perspective. Um, we're seeing great engagement, like right across the world, Australia, Asia, um, Africa, Europe, North America, South America. A lot of people on these calls, and everybody is sharing kind of ideas and practices. Um, and the most companies are scenario planning. You know, they're 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 doing best case, worst case um, scenario mm -hmm. planning out to three months or five months time horizons that we're seeing here. Um, the most interesting thing we've seen right now, I would say, is um, this practice of sequestering uh, control centers. So right now in the U.S., um, there's a, a small um, number of, of utility companies that have taken the, the, the highest uh, preparedness step in their pandemic response plan and have sequestered the control center building or, or brought it into lockdown, which means that um, those staff mm -hmm. within, within there are there for month-long period um, without being able to, wow. to leave. Um, so it's, it's really quite interesting to, to hear the companies, how they plan for that, what they've put in place in the control centers. Um, and also, I think it might be important to just recognize the kind of um, sacrifices that, that these people are making. They're, uh, most cases, leaving behind families and friends for a month to be locked in, uh, locked in a building uh, for, for a month on end, just working and sleeping and eating. So um, it's important to to, to recognize uh, that this is um, a big sacrifice these people are making and, and we yeah. see that potentially that's going to kind of um, spread uh, right throughout the industry um, as, as other companies learn, learn lessons from, from this practice. That's, that's, that's pretty extreme and I would say that's surprising to me even as we continue to follow what's going on and, but seems to, seems to be an important, and an important step to safeguarding the system. I mean, we're seeing these types of practices with uh, the folks in the healthcare industry, and there's no no um, no doubt that the electric power industry is a critical component to the fight against this. And so I, th I think that that's I think that's it's very interesting, and it makes sense. Um, so I guess that that brings me to kind of the what comes next question. So Aiden, um, let's start with you. What what come next? What comes next here? What trends are you expecting to see or starting to see um, uh, in as as the entire globe is dealing with uh, with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Yeah, so, so uh, as we've been looking at this in the, the, the power system um, area, w one of the first things people are trying to do is, is adopt their load forecasting, the forecast of how much load is going to be on the system in the following day or following hour, 
um, adopting that to some of the, uh, the implications of the shutdown. So trying to make sure those models can be updated or, or retrained to, to capture some of the new um, profiles, the new shapes that are that are taking place uh, due, due to the shutdown. So that'll be one of the first things. Um, as time goes on, we're trying to look at what some of the um, operational issues that might come off are um, and that might be um, observed on the system, um, particularly as the loads get lower. So um, in, in past, historically, the, the peak load has been the time people have really been concerned about and plan around. But in the last few years, with, with a lot of uh, renewables coming on the system, um, there's been yeah. a um, increased emphasis on, on low load conditions in general. Um, and obviously, those will be um, more emphasized now as, as load gets lower. So issues happening at low load conditions, um, things around um, managing voltage on the system, um, aspects like that. Um, mm -hmm. Some of those are likely to come off. Um, there's also questions around how some of this might look during the summer um, as you get to peak load conditions. Um, a lot of the peak load is driven by air conditioning, and so um, that would still be expected to be a pretty significant load later in the year as people are at home and uh, maybe potentially even, even higher than usual. Um, so trying to understand what the implications are of a longer shutdown on, uh, on summer demands um, compared to the spring demands that we're seeing right now. Um, it's not 100% clear yet. We're, we're trying to dig into that data a little bit and, and get a better understanding of that. Um, other aspects that people are starting to think of as well as you look into the future um, are, are things like how do they actually plan their maintenance um, on, the, on the system um, mm -hmm. as they're now trying to get more maintenance done maybe in a, in a reduced amount of time later in the year, that type of thing. So we're trying to see, figure out what some of the implications are. Um, I think Adrian can probably speak a lot more to some of the um, control center type implications as well. Yeah, that, that's uh, definitely where we're hoping next. Adrian, what do what you expect to see? Will this start a larger trend in health-focused critical worker safety, or what, what, what are you seeing coming down? What, what's new into the future? I guess in the, in the, in the very short term, um, I guess, uh, well, there's short, medium, and long-term impacts, I, I think, here, Donald, um, from a, a, the very short term. There's, there's, we haven't heard um, uh, re reliable information that an operator has got COVID-19 um, and that it's spread yeah. among an operating crew, but I think it's, it's a fair assumption that this will happen um, in the short term. So what, when an outbreak happens for an operator, you know, what happens there? What steps did that particularly unlucky utility uh, take to, to, to mitigate that? We, we'd uh, be interested in, in tracking that and hearing about that because um, if it happens once, it, it may happen somewhere else. Um, other short-term mm -hmm. um, impacts might be, uh, as I spoke about, this process of sequestering control center buildings. Um, as other companies kind of consider that or, or go ahead and do that, what are the lessons to be learned? Um, if you've got, if, if this is happening for, for six months or nine months or, or longer, um, how can we all learn from this? This is a, uh, this is a, a very hot topic on our on our calls uh, uh, right now. Yeah. In terms of medium impacts, um, so uh, as Aidan said, we're, we're seeing um, operators are canceling outages um, on the system both transmission and generation um, right now. And, and um, while that's uh, uh, useful for reliability right now in the system, where you don't, you're not taking too many outages, but um, if they're being deferred uh, into the fall um, or after summer, this, this, this might cause issues there. And, and then in terms of like long-term um, issues on uh, worker safety, worker uh, health and safety, as you, you asked there, 
I could definitely see the, the case where uh, the sanitary practices that are, are in place in control centres, I, I, I could see those being uh, definitely ingrained uh, uh, for, for the future, you know, where uh, standard issue equipment and uh, uh, sanitising desks and um, uh, sterilising sterilizing facilities, um, I could see them being ingrained uh, fully into, into normal practice um, for future. We've also seen this thing where um, operators now are um, looking at their their operational staff and identifying uh, who their who their really key um, uh, operation staff are, and in some cases they're monitoring their health, you know, actively um, mm -hmm. yeah. on using like health dashboards. So I could definitely see a, a scenario in future where you know you have an online dashboard where you, you where health is being monitored of of key people. And then I guess yeah. a, a, another one, a, a last one, then is you know we, we are seeing right now. Um, questions about how we break out of um, uh, out of um, this in, in in the three to six month kind of period, and um, with Germany now are considering um, issuing like certificates for for some workers that are free of the virus. So um, we're we're really interested in in talking to 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 folks in Europe and Germany about this, and and we are actively talking to them about it to see you know is it possible to get is this a practice that could potentially. Um, Work uh, all over all over the world. So, uh, but in the for for uh, there there are a couple of ideas, but uh, who knows really? We're we're really uh, scenario planning for for all eventualities uh, right now. Yeah, it it, it it could be said. You know, cleanliness is next to grid operational security. Um, so I think that that's <laughs> right. uh, really uh, really what we're taking a look at here is making sure that this critical industry stays stays open and then keeps lights on for, for everyone around the globe. But uh, I think the, the thing that I'm taking away from this most is really the collaborative, uh, the process that's taking place with everyone, uh, with, with folks on every continent, uh, making sure that the system continues to work in the face of really unprecedented uh, situation. So thank you both for taking some time to talk with us during this crisis. I know it's challenging to find time for anything outside of even the most urgent tasks these days. So thank you both for, for joining me today. And thank you to everyone listening to this episode of EPRI Unplugged. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the entire EPRI Unplugged team, Amy Mills, executive producer and host, uh, Matthew Oakley, technician and editing, uh, Kaylin Hensley, social media and marketing. And until next time, we are shaping the future of electricity. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>